Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, we conclude our series today, Reasons to Believe, with a message entitled, Reasons to Believe. So let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 5, verses 30 to 47, as we join Dr. Newfeld now. There are certain statements that people make that are believable, you know, and others that might be believable but aren't because people oversell themselves. Let's consider some examples of what I'm talking about. Suppose you're listening to an advertisement for the Honda Civic. Let's say the advertiser says it's a good, reliable car that's fun to drive. Well, there's a claim that seems quite believable, but, but let's say the advertiser says it's a good, reliable car that's fun to drive and should be considered in the same category as a $2.5 million Bugatti sports car. Well, once that's been said, no one's even paying attention to the first part of that advertisement, you know, the good, reliable, fun car part. You know, an outrageous claim has been made that makes the entire thing seem unbelievable. Let me try another example. You're going into a job interview and your interviewer says, tell me about yourself. And you begin by saying, well, I think I have strong leadership skills. Well, that would be fine. But now imagine you say, I have strong leadership skills because I am the reincarnation of Winston Churchill. You see what I mean? The statement is unbelievable because you've oversold yourself. You might have gotten your potential employer to believe that you have leadership skills if only you hadn't added the Winston Churchill bit. So instead of seeing you as a strong candidate, now your employer thinks you're nuts, you're crackers, you're certifiable, you can't be believed. And here's what I think about Jesus. John chapter 5 has just told us that he has healed a paralyzed man and that he has told the man to pick up his mat and go home. The Pharisees, being legalists that they were, immediately accosted the man, saying that carrying his mat constituted work on the Sabbath, and, and consequently that man, in order to, to stay clear of accusation, well, he implicates Jesus. And so Jesus is accused of being a Sabbath breaker and therefore a lawbreaker. Now, here's how this matter could have played itself out. Jesus could have said, well, in this case, this action is not breaking the Sabbath. He could have presented evidence why that's not so, and then, I'm sure, he would have had an opportunity to win some of them over. But he doesn't do that, does he? Instead, he says, my father governs his universe, and I, like my father, am also governing the universe. And in that, he makes himself equal with God. And there we have it. The incident went from being an argument about how to properly apply Sabbath laws to an argument about God and how it is that there's an infinite distance between God and man. You see, by having said what he did, he was in danger of not being believed at all about anything. See, was Jesus overselling himself? That's, that's our question today. I remember some years ago having a conversation with a Jewish guide that went something like this. My guide said he was willing to follow Jesus as a rabbi, even following him as his rabbi, but to call him the Son of God, well, that, that he couldn't do. He was a Jew, he said, and, and God is one. To call him God is blasphemy. And there you have it. To him, that was akin to our job prospect, claiming his leadership skills came because he was a reincarnation of Winston Churchill. And, and might I add, that's also why a great many people have difficulties with Jesus today. You know, if we argue he's a great moral teacher and, and even a prophet of God, well, they might agree. They might even accept the statement that he was the greatest moral teacher and prophet who has ever lived, and that, too, would find a very ready acceptance. 
But the claim that he is the only begotten of the Father, that he is both with God and is God at the same time, that he claims equality with God, well, this makes Jesus unacceptable, at least to many, that the one true God exists as Father, Son, and Spirit and that Jesus is the second of the three persons who are the one God. Well, all of that puts Jesus just out of reach to some. And this is why so many people today reject Jesus. And this is also why the Pharisees not only rejected him, but sought to kill him. To claim equality with God, that was blasphemy. To suggest that the carpenter's son was God come to us in human flesh, it is astonishingly over the top. And the end of John chapter 5 sees Jesus at irreconcilable differences with the Pharisees. See, what happens here will lead to his death. But before we so quickly make this a matter of truth claims that no Pharisee would accept, well, let's find out why we really should think that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to break the final verses of John chapter 5 into two halves. The first half invites us to consider the evidence about the identity of Jesus, and the second half invites us to look at the darkness in our own hearts as the primary reason we won't accept the evidence. So let's start with the first half. I'm reading here, John 5, 30 to 39. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. You know, this entire passage is an appeal to consider the evidence. It's almost, although not entirely, but it's an appeal to a courtroom scenario. The only way we have to consider the evidence of a crime is is the witnesses who are brought before the jury. Are those witnesses credible? That's what Jesus is doing here. In verse 31, he's saying that if he alone bore witness about himself, then his testimony is not of necessity true. Now, that doesn't mean that one should never accept anyone's testimony about himself. You know, a person can make a case for himself or herself, and that testimony can be entirely credible. But Jesus is not acting on his own. Remember, he says he's sent by his Father. He says that everything he's ever done has been done at the direction of his Father. Now, in the ancient world, when someone acted on behalf of a king, that person would present evidence or or credentials that prove he's not acting on his own. So, what evidence is there that Jesus really is who he says he is? Well, it turns out there's plenty of evidence out there for anyone who wants to see it. Now, says Jesus, that's my defense. I imitate the Father and never act independently of him. 
The Father has revealed everything to me. I have the same life as the Father. I'm worthy of the same honor as the Father, and life and death and judgment respond to my authority. If you wonder why I heal and work on the Sabbath, it has to do with who I am. My dad is always working, and so am I. If you think the Jewish leaders were stunned by what Jesus said in verse 17, that he said his father was working, and so is he. I mean, imagine how absolutely overwhelmed they were by the time he finished verse 30 when he announced that he was the judge of all of the earth. And he was also the one who had the power over the resurrection of everyone. I mean, they didn't know whether to laugh or to cry or, or become angry or remain silent or, or rush in and kill him immediately. See, this language was overwhelming. They're stunned at everything that he had said. And we are as well. I mean, they would have come up with an answer, but the miraculous healing of a paralyzed man made an answer not easy to come by. But Jesus is not done. He says, so you don't take my word for this? Let me bring out the witness for the defense. Now, his first witness is recorded in verses 33 to verse 35. Look at it again. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you might be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Well then, what is it that John the Baptist had to say about Jesus? I mean, you have to go back all the way to John chapter 1, verse 34, and there we read the words of the Baptist. He said of Jesus, and I quote here, And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. Everyone in all of Israel heard John say that about Jesus. You know, and most of the people who had heard John preach believed that he was a genuine prophet. He was a man of no small reputation. Now, Jesus says, that's human testimony. Now, before we move on, I must interject here. I think this is one of the reasons the Pharisees had so much difficulty with Jesus. They were actually afraid of the crowds who heard him say these things. So in order to arrest Jesus, I mean, they had to make the claim now that, that John the Baptist was a false witness, and they knew that the people loved John the Baptist. But Jesus only brought up the witness of John the Baptist to warm things up. And now he says, I've got even more witnesses, even better witnesses. Your regular gifts as part of our Partner to Tell Monthly Partners have become the very backbone to sustain the Bible teaching programs of this ministry. Programs that reach out to every demographic using every medium possible, teaching the truth of the Bible, and it speaks into every question and concern of life. Partner to Tell Monthly Partners are critical to the ongoing ministry of Back to the Bible Canada's daily Bible teaching program with Dr. John Newfeld. They support the ongoing ministry to young adults through In Doubt. They help provide messages of hope and joy, shared daily that point to Jesus through Laugh Again. And now, our new television program, Truth in Life Today, which reaches potentially millions of households, offering biblical truth that engages culture. Thanks for what you're doing. And if you're interested in joining the ranks of the Partner to Tell Monthly Partners, do so today. Call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit Back to the Bible. We've been talking about why it is that the evidence that Jesus really is the Son of God is, well, it's overwhelming. I've asked you to imagine a courtroom where witnesses are being brought forward to make the case. 
And the first witness, as I've said, was the warm-up act. You know, that witness was the testimony of a man of integrity. Indeed, the word of a man who was demonstrably a prophet of God, and his name was John the Baptist. And Jesus then brings his next witness forward. And if you aren't careful, you might miss it. See, verse 36 says, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. And and when we read that, we might think that Jesus is calling himself to the witness stand. But look at the second half of the verse. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And Jesus is asking the Pharisees and the rest of the people and us as well to ask how much weight we should put on the actual deeds of Jesus. You know, the miracles of Jesus, you can't so quickly pass them by. It's not so easy to dismiss a man who can do what we assume only God can do. Allow me again for a moment to take you to another account of the healing of a different paralyzed man. That man was healed in Capernaum when he was let down through a roof and lowered down to Jesus. And and crowds were pressing in, and this making a hole in the roof was an act of desperation. And so there lying in front of Jesus was a man who could not rise from a mat, paralyzed. Maybe he had a broken neck. I mean, damaged nerves can't be repaired. Atrophied muscles, a ruined human body. And Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. I mean, they're stunned. He's acting like God. So Jesus says, which is easier, to say rise and walk or that your sins are forgiven? And by the way, it's not an easy question to answer, is it? And then Jesus says, well, then watch this, rise and walk. He commands the damaged nerves and the atrophied muscles and the ruined body. And it obeys because every single molecule was created by Jesus and continues to exist at the will of Jesus and exists for the purpose of Jesus. I mean, that man walked. So did the man at the healing pool of Bethesda. Now, explain that. You know, I'm sorry, folks. Only God can do that. What happened in Bethesda was God coming to the witness stand and saying, this is my son. That's why they hated Jesus. They hated him because they felt uncomfortable with God. But Jesus is not yet done. He has one more witness. He is called John the Baptist, and he is called for an explanation of his works. But now his last witness is none other than God the Father himself. Well, we might say, how do you bring God to the witness stand? See, I have no doubt that not a few people would wish that they could do that when they stood before a human trial. Does the defense have any more witnesses? Oh, yeah, we do, Your Honor. We are going to call God to the stand. Now, that would be impressive. But that's exactly what Jesus does. But how does God testify? Jesus says he already has. Look again at verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. And then forward to verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. In other words, the first 39 books of the Bible are all about Jesus. You know, some time ago, I got an email from someone who told me that the reason the Berlin Wall came down and and the reason why the current champion of the Masters Golf Tournament won, of all things, and the reason why any hockey game turned out the way it did was because he had prayed about it. I thought, well, this is kind of sad. This guy thinks that everything's about him. He's, He's delusional because everything that happens has nothing to do with him. But now listen to Jesus. He says the reason why God revealed his holy book, the Bible, was about him. And in this case, guess what? He's right. Whether it's Genesis 49, in which we're told that the scepter will not depart from Judah, or 
Isaiah 53, the song of the suffering servant, or 2 Samuel 7, in which we're promised that the son of David would rule forever, everywhere from creation onward, it's about Jesus. The Old Testament predicts the life of Christ. This Bible, with over 40 authors, written over 1,500 years in, in three languages, written on three continents, this unique book, the only one in the world like it, the only one that bears the imprint of God, it's about Jesus. For 1,500 years, it's been talking about him until he finally arrived. That's what the Father said. That was his testimony. And by the way, you know, I've taught on this matter numerous times that the entire purpose of the First Testament is to declare that God is reconciling the world to himself through his chosen Messiah, and that the description of the Messiah is a mirror showing us none other than Jesus of Nazareth himself. And all of that's an impressive body of evidence. It's, it's worthy of not just consideration, but it's overwhelming evidence that should lead us to a verdict. Jesus is guilty of being the only begotten Son of the living God. Ah, but evidence by itself is never convincing. Did you know that? Evidence by itself is never convincing. You know, some of us have misunderstood this point. We have thought that if only we can present a convincing enough case for Christ, well, then people are going to believe, but it's not so. So let's read the last verses of John chapter 5, verses 40 to 47. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Now, in this study of John, we've noticed more than once that the reasons why so many people reject Jesus is that they find him an unwelcome intrusion into their lives. I remember once speaking with a man about the claims of Christ, and I noticed that he had no doubt about any of it. But I couldn't understand why he would not then follow Jesus. Well, I later discovered that this man was a real ladies' man, as we used to say. I mean, women found him hot, and he knew it, and he played the field with a confidence and an ease. It really was a thing to behold. Jesus was unwelcome to him. Remember, many people find Jesus an unwelcome intrusion in their lives. And according to this passage, Jesus gives us reasons why men and women reject him. Many of us are people-pleasers and not God-pleasers. You receive glory from people, says Jesus. See, I wonder if you've ever noticed how many human actions are done because of our fear of others. When we were teenagers, I mean, do you remember how many things that you did for peer pressure? I mean, I was, I was 12 years of age, and I was beginning to, to recognize that girls were a lot cuter than I ever dreamt. And before I could talk to a girl, however, I would check out whether my friends thought she was cute as well, because I didn't want to get stuck liking someone who was not cute in their eyes. I, I knew I was way too cool to fall for non-cute girls, you see. If I had only known that my friends were just as confused about who was cute than I was. And over the years, I've come to see that it's not just true of teenagers. It's, it's true of everyone. I mean, we buy cars. 
We wear clothes. We go see movies. We believe all manner of things on the basis of popularity. You know how many people have never considered Jesus simply because their friends wouldn't like it? How many times have you been prevented from doing something because you fear people? And that's exactly what Jesus said to the Pharisees. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Here's a little principle. You'll never get faith until you become a God-pleaser and not a people-pleaser. The fear of man, says the Bible, is a snare. A lot of people did not go over to Jesus in his day because big religious people who seemed to know everything intimidated them. That's happening today. And that's why Jesus said the Pharisees never listened to Moses. And they would have said, of course we listened to Moses, but they were in fact only listening to one another. Their opinions on what Moses said was completely in line with the teaching of the elders before them and of their colleagues around them and not the teachings of the Scripture. They never believed him because everyone else said that he was an unacceptable option, and so they discounted them. No one believes unless he or she is more concerned with pleasing God than pleasing man. All of us must come to terms with this and say, O Lord, may my life please you, even if it pleases no one else. John, thanks so much for this series. I mean, I think it's, you've you've said words that we need to hear. And one of the things you mentioned today I found really, really interesting. You said so many people believe all of these things, but for some reason they refuse to believe in Christ Jesus or accept him because they see him as an intrusion. Yes, and and I think an unwelcome one at that. You know, Ben, I know that both of you and I uh, think there's an important role that apologetics plays in the sharing of our faith. And apologetics has to do with providing reasons for faith so that the reasonable person can look at the claims of Christ and see that the claims are reasonable claims and that they should accept the truth of the gospel. But I think we both agree that, you know, that apologetics is never enough. In the end of the day, there is this, this matter of the heart, this, this heart that's dead towards God, this heart that says, I don't want him. And of course, Jesus really put his finger on it when he spoke to those Pharisees and said, it's because, you know, the desire that you have to please one another is far more important than, than your desire to please God. So it always comes down to the heart. Thanks again, John. Remember to join us again next week for more of Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. So grateful to hear feedback from listeners as we celebrate 60 years of ministry. Friends of the ministry wrote recently to share how encouraged they've been over the years listening to the Bible teaching of Theodore Epp, how he was a great man of faith, vision, and faithfulness to the Word of God. And now they continue to listen every day with gratitude as Dr. Neufeld remains faithful to this same legacy. The Word of God does not change, and we continue to celebrate its truth and the good news shared for all mankind. Thank you for allowing us the privilege to continue a 60-year legacy of Bible teaching made possible through the prayers and gifts of friends like you right across Canada 
for six decades. Please continue with your gracious support as the truth of God's Word is broadcast across our nation. Call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca today.